was checking. I was checking the date, even though we just talked about the date, to ask when Adam goes back to school. He said it's what the second week of September. Uh, yeah. So we're scheduled to go back September fourteenth. Um, actually, speaking of that, it's kind of a you know Rhode Island specific topic. I know Ty had a, a school related thing on his uh, list of topics too. But since you brought it up, so Gina made a press uh, made a press conference today. She does it like every Monday anyway. It's like her like scheduled COVID news briefing. And um, she made the decision that Rhode Island has the quote-unquote green light to start full in-person teaching, like normal. So, and she said that even if you don't start right away, we have until the 13th of October to be full in-school learning, like normal. I, I should just say normal. School. Um, What's happening right now? I don't know. I had to change my headphones. Uh, I kept making some noise. But, yeah, so that's where we are. So we're so starting does that mean you guys 14th. are required to or you're able to? Is it still up to the school district? Well, so we – I think some people interpret it as, oh, we're going back immediately. But she said that you are able to. I think it's other than Central Falls and Providence because their cases have spiked tremendously recently where everyone Shocker. else is yeah, – Yeah, I mean, I mean, Providence has been the epicenter of Rhode Island the entire time. Um. But everyone else is is solid, I guess, in numbers. So she deemed it acceptable to start transitioning to normal school. Um, there are a lot of districts in the state, including Cranston, uh, that are, have already said that we don't feel that we have the resources necessary to just jump right back into this. And I, I think I, that's I, reasonable. I agree. No, I 100% agree. And some districts have gone as far as even before Gina's announcement today to say regardless of what she says, we're doing distance learning until we have the resources and we've had more time to plan this stuff out because we've had some trainings and stuff and there's a lot of questions. And as you might imagine, there are zero answers. So fucked up, man. Such yeah. a lack of leadership. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and I, I, I've, I'm on this podcast quoted as saying that I'm, I was overall happy with Gina's job with the pandemic, her job with, the school reopenings, that's a whole nother story. But in general, so, that's, that's what we're looking at here. Okay. So talk, talk to me a little bit about why you think that she kind of has failed the school reopenings. Um, I think that she, is, she has not done a great job of advising superintendents across the state and central office administration across the state as to like a defined plan. Because in, well, I'll kind of backtrack. So in July, you know, it was said that, you know, every district needs to submit three plans to ride the Department of Ed, a full normal school plan, a hybrid model mm -hmm. of like, you know, out of school, in school, and then just a total distance learning model. So everyone was, was required to submit those. And then ride would pretty much just determine what plan would be the one we'd be going for. And they determined the hybrid model would be the best way. Since then, no one's talking about a hybrid model as like a go-to plan. Now the, the, it's pretty much turned into all or nothing, meaning you know, we're either going back to normal school or we're just distance learning full-time, at least yeah. to start. Like some people have thrown out like, hey, we can distance learn and then let's talk in January or let's talk about coming back to the table about bringing kids back to school in January or something like that. 
So although Ride approved this plan, Gina would make these con- press conferences and make these statements pretty much saying, you know, oh, well, we're still up in the air about stuff. So no, there's no, like, there hasn't been one plan that's, decide- that's been decided upon. So a lot of districts have been in limbo trying to plan for multiple scenarios. And other districts, which I commend, actually, have just said, you know, we're doing this or we're doing that. We're not going to sit here and wait for her to tell us what we should do. Um, so I think there's been a lot of – it's been very up in the air, and there, hasn't been, there really hasn't been any definitive answers until today. And we, we're supposed to – technically, school is supposed to start today. You know, she pushed it back two weeks in mid-August. A lot of other states around in New England, especially, had also done the same thing, and, and mm-hmm. outside of New England too. So that was common practice. Everyone was kind of, you know, everyone kind of saw that coming because everyone's kind of scrambling. So it's just a little discouraging to me that like we have now two weeks to get ready to move everyone back in the schools. And by we, I mean I, I, there's really very little that I have as far as say. It's really up to central administration and the building managers, which would be the principals. Um, but you and, said Cranston's not doing that, right? They're going to stick with hybrid? Well, so they're calling they, – so many districts, including Cranston, have called a emergency school committee meeting, which is going to take place, I think, on the 2nd, which is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So, again, still don't really know what's going on. And even though Gina – people are asking, well, what, what if certain – what if districts do not what, – what if certain, some districts do not go – are, are not back to normal school by October 13th? She can't really force people to do that, but she's just strongly encouraging it. And there could be some legal implications as well. Um, I don't really know the extent of, of that, but I know that many districts have lawyers lined up. I mean, you know, most districts have, you know, with the unions, they have lawyers and retainer. And I think, well, let me rephrase that and ask it this way, maybe since you're, you know, a part of the system here, what, what would you want her to have done? I would like a plan. I, I wish we would have just said you, from like mid, uh, mid to late July, just said, this is what we're doing. Plan for that. Well, I, I think in her defense, things change very, very fast with this virus, right? So, you know, I don't think she could have done that or any politician could have done that in July, right? I mean, in July, we, it looked different than it does now. So I think that would have been probably tough. So I guess my my rebuttal for that would be, if we just said, hey, we're going to plan for distance learning and then we're going to see what the cases look like. And then we'll go from there. So if yeah. we start the year distance learning, it doesn't mean we have to do the entire year distance learning. We can have the distance learning plan ready to go. We can distribute the Chromebooks so everyone has, because we haven't done that yet. That, that's, a, that's a long process. That's an undertaking. So, yeah, so at least that plan is established. And then while that's being done, which we've shown that, I don't know how effective it was because I'm not a middle school student. I, I, you know, I think most teachers did their, tried to do their best with the whole thing uh, that took place at the end of last school year. But at least we would have had that, and we would, no one would be wondering, are we going in school? Are we, go, are we staying home? Do I need to get a waiver from a doctor? Do I need to get tested? Like, none of this has been told to anybody. Yeah. So you don't even I, know, I think, like, if you need a, a test. You don't even know if you need a test before the first day of work, first well, day of school? I mean, I got tested. I think I told you guys that. Still yeah, but you didn't back. get tested for school, though, right? Well, no, but I got tested. So yeah, like, I mean, there, in terms of no... requirements, like, they haven't even given those requirements. That's kind of crazy. Not for us. And th- so, so to, to Ty's question, um, 
we, we could transition to hybrid and then eventually, hopefully, I'd, I'd love to be back in school full time and, and being in a normal That was going to be my next question. I, I would love to do that. I don't like the distance learning. And most people would agree with the, you know, agree with that sentiment. But I think if we was like, Hey, we're doing the distance learning. We're going to see how things go. If things drastically get better, we can come back to the table, but at least everyone can then plan for that. And then throughout the school year, while we're doing the distance learning, they can be planning for a, a trial, I guess, of sorts of introducing a hybrid model and then slowly moving our way back to dis to, to being in full time in school. Like things are normal again. Yeah, I just it, it's I was in my room last week, I was doing some stuff in there. And my principal told me point blank, we want to try, we're not allowed to take any desks out of the room. I have a small room. I have 28 desks in my room that does not include tables in my desk and other things like filing cabinets. And he said, I want you to see if you can socially distance as many desks as possible, meaning that each desk had, you know, all around it, has six feet of space between the, the <laughs> That's next That's impossible. Student. So you know <laughs> how many physically impossible. So you know how many kids I can fit in my room safely? Nine. I was gonna say I can ten. Fit nine kids. So yeah, nine, maybe ten if I like moved stuff around my desk area, which I'm making a six foot barrier between me and the kids because I don't want them to be near me. You know, for for over I think they're saying like within six feet for over fifteen minutes is considered like dangerous or whatever, right? That was like part of the training thing. So I can fit nine kids safely in my room and they want to actually consider throwing all these kids. Like if it were up to Gina, we would all just be thrown. We would just go right back. That's that's my question is what changed? Do you think she was just getting a ton of like lobbyist pressure or political pressure to do this? Like why change before you dip your toe in the water? Your two weeks, right? I'm sure there, I'm sure there's outside forces as we've talked about on this podcast. Well, you want to, you want to talk about serving your constituents. I, I, everybody that I've talked to, that's a parent has said, get my fucking kid back into school. Oh, for sure. Parents want now think about it. (laughs) Think about it from a parent's perspective. I mean, how awesome is it that we're not parents right now? Oh, think I about mean, it's, that. It's a Thank godsend, God. dude. It's a think godsend. about that. So like, and I understand, like, I understand what they're saying. Like, you know, they want their kids back in. We all want to go back in. And I'm not the, I'm not in the demographic of teachers that's, is, that's as worried about it. I mean, obviously it's something I think about, but I work yeah. with mostly people that are in their upper fifties, lower sixties. So Probably yeah, we want healthy. Yeah, yeah, that too. And obviously we want to protect the kids because like in the way they're like super spreaders. I'm going to take that from Sa- Sagar, whatever the hell his name is from the Hill, which I'd never heard before. It's kind of interesting because like, you know, you can be asymptomatic, more likely to be asymptomatic as a younger person and then spread it all around. You, you would have no idea. You wipe, so, yeah. Wiping your nose, picking oh, your dude. boogers, throwing middle, them at people. Middle school kids are so gross to They're, they're like little use. They're like little me's. So imagine <laughs> a bunch of little me's running around. So not in only, a 12 by 12 room where I can fit literally nine kids safely. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not a parent. Cause now these parents, you know, parents are not, everyone is fortunate enough to be working from home. So a lot of parents are, you know, not all of them, but I mean, most parents are back to work in some capacity. Maybe it's like part at home, right. part, you know, what are they going to do for childcare? Are you going to let an 11? There's imagine, there's, yeah, there's no do, good do, option. Do you think an 11 or 12 year old is going to sit down and do work by themselves? How about high school? Kids that have licenses that can just get up and like, fuck this. I'm just going to go drive around. I'm going to go meet up with people. Like there's no accountability. So like, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying that there's a, a solution, 
Like, I'm not saying that distance learning is the way that the perfect way to do it, but it just seems like going back to what Ty was saying, if we just did that from the get go and then uh, pooled our resources to get ready for that. And once we handle that, then we can move on to a, like, like Jared said, you know, we were, we're dipping our toes in the pool. Let's, let's do the hybrid model. And then let's see how that goes. The, yeah. the, the and then, and then let's move on to a full in school. The problem I've heard with the hybrid model is it's impossible to do both effectively. You know what I mean? Like as a teacher, schools are needing to either hire teachers specifically to teach virtual classes and or one teacher like yourself may be trying to teach to 12 people that are in class and another 12 who are virtual and yeah, that's tough. from everything yeah. we've heard it just doesn't work no and it's it's going to create a lot more work for me but you know what if they just if they said tomorrow that we're that's what we're, that's what i'm doing that's fine I would, I would obviously modify it. Another reason, another way they were trying to solve that, Ty, it's funny you bring that up because they were saying, because a lot of teachers, there's not a lot, but there's a good amount of teachers that are medically opting out. Pretty much saying yeah. like, my doctor, I have a doctor's note. I cannot be in the How building. How does that work? Do they get well, compensated at all? Well, so, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be, you know, they're still going to be doing their job, so to speak. But um, like Ty was saying, with the kid number of kids opting out, they would pretty much try to align teachers who have opted out with kids who are just full-time at home. And I, I guess that would work in theory. That way I can, then that way I can focus on the kids that are actually coming to school. But, you know, like, so my, my biggest problem with that is, um, is obviously the, the, uh, you know, the work equal work. I mean, if I'm sitting home working i'm obviously not doing the same things as i would be doing if i was in school in a classroom with kids in front of me so that that's one problem and the other problem would be you know they gave a deadline air quotes for kids to opt out do you think for a second that parents if if things if things go to shit that they're not going to be calling up these offices oh yeah dude they're like i'm pulling my kid out one outbreak there's guaranteed at least 10 percent of the students pulled out of class guaranteed exactly so it's I mean, an we impossible heard situation. Much about that, right? It is. A challenge. It is. And, and I, and I, as much as I don't like how Gina's handled it, I'm not trying to say that there's like an easy solution. She has a tough fucking job to deal with all these governors do when it comes to reopening schools. I, I don't think there's an exact right way. So I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm bashing her because I have the interest. Cause I don't, I, I, I don't No matter what we pick. If no you want a the theme of this down, podcast that we do, it's, Hey, we don't have the answers, but we're going to talk we, as if we we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because there are a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. And yeah, I think that's probably the, uh, uh, that's probably as tricky of a situation as, you know, we we're going to find in this whole COVID situation, you know, crisis is school and, you know, real yeah. because, yeah. you know, no matter how you slice it, there's going to be some people that are affected negatively and yeah. It really and sucks. Too- and a lot of our, you know, economy hinges on kids going back to school as well. I mean, for you know, sure. parent, you know, parents need to, you know, be able to work and can't do both. And yeah. It's yeah. Tough. And like, you know, we, we can't, you, we have to be conscious of the amount of people in restaurants and stuff, but then we want to pack 30 kids into a small ass room and we're like, all right, well, that's, that, that's different. And, and they're treating it. Yeah, like it, does, it doesn't add up at all, dude. It really doesn't. No. And the last thing I'll say, and then we can be done with this, is, I know, 
Trust me, I, I, it's it's not. I don't love talking about it either. You're gonna be living it, baby. I yeah, I am. I can't. can't this is gonna be wait. as regular of a topic as most thoughts once you get back into the classroom. <laughs> so yeah, right. So our uh, first um, COVID training, um, there was a, there were again a bunch of questions asked, and this is word for word or almost word for word what what our what one of our administrators said. We haven't gotten to the in in inside the classroom topics yet. This was last week. So they have yet to cover and how we're going to, to start, start today. School is supposed to start today. And they haven't covered that yet. Those are, those are their exact words. And you so, know, this is like not to shit on government, but like, this but is, we, what happens is the definition have, of say we, yeah, why government sucks. Yep. You, there's just no accountability ever. It's the post office. It's this, yeah. like if, if that was a corporation and there was profit at stake, even if it was a school and this person completely just ignored their responsibilities and didn't even try they would lose their job so who's that whose job is that adam is that the superintendent's job to oversee all that policy when it comes to schools reopening who's who's, well it's it starts with the superintendent yeah it definitely starts with the superintendent and so we talk all the time we talked on this podcast right jared about people in corporate america and yeah you know you got to be a certain way to climb the ladder like how all of a sudden does one get to a position of superintendent and just decide to say, fuck it or, or something, you know, not say fuck it, but I get it. You know, yeah. How do they not say to themselves? No, I'm not accepting this fucking slow, you know, uh, getting nothing done kind of attitude. Let's go. Let's whip things into shape. Like I just don't get why that doesn't happen in government. Cause it's well, like government, like, like, you know, government schools. Yeah. Local. Yeah, so I would say right. that a big reason, not not the only reason, there's, there's there's other factors, but lack of resources, like the as as much you know as our superintendent. Like for example, I asked a question about cleaning supplies. I asked like, am I going to be tasked with which I normally do? I, I get my own cleaning supplies for me. I'm not cleaning the desk because now they're asking us to like sanitize the kids' desks in between things and but not giving you any cleaner. But I asked, like, hey, are you guys going to supply it? And they said, well, I haven't gotten – and, you know, my answer was, well, I haven't really uh, – we haven't gotten there yet. So a, yeah, a lot of the answers are like that. starts in two weeks, and we don't know if we can clean desks. So, and, and here's the thing. So kind of going back to what Ty said, although the building administrators, the principals, they have responsibility, a lot of what they're allowed to do starts from the top. So sometimes that they, there's a lot of red tape, and sometimes they're binded in a way from doing – certain things without word or resources coming from central administration. And again, like, like we're saying that falls in the lap of the superintendent and she's been emailing us like every week, you know, talking about what they want to do. She's the proponent of distance learning. She's like, I want to start distance learning. Of course she doesn't want the risk and it's of way course. less work. You don't need the resources, etc. Exactly. Get it. Because we don't need them because we don't have the resources. Yeah. Like we, like there's no plexiglass things being set up in our schools. Like I was in there. I was in there you last week. We can't even week. get cleaning spray. Never no, we can't even get cleaning class. spray. We were told we were going to get a first aid kit because they said they didn't want the, to flood the one nurse in each building. So one nurse. And up until now, there wasn't a full-time nurse in every building. So now there's going to be one nurse with 700 kids in my building, which is the <laughs> biggest middle school. Well, I don't, I don't that- necessarily think that's too big of a deal. If we think about things on the pecking order. I mean, what's going to happen, dude? Everyone gets COVID and all of a sudden they need like a respirator in 10 seconds? Well, no. No, but, but the nurses I, will probably do the testing and stuff, right? Well, 
Well, that's no, what I mean. no. Like, so the, are you going to have be... 600 kids line up for a test that day? No. Well, no, no. Where I was going with that, so she, the, the nurse would not be conducting the testing, but the nurse would have to be the one that if I said, if, if we're in the middle of class, there's a kid, like if there's a kid exhibiting si- symptoms, I have to pretty much diagnose them and say like, all right, you got to go to the nurse. And then before they go to the nurse, they have to pick up all their shit and bring it down to them. Cause if it has any contagions on it, then they you know, <laughs> want to take so it. so hard. To and manage, I have man. to stop what I'm doing, wipe the desk down, see it, unsanitize everything or sorry. Yeah. Sanitize everything, not unsanitize, sanitize everything. And then if the nurse deems that the kid's fine, which is probably going to be a line of like, you know, of, you know, 50 something kids, I'm not exaggerating, you know, middle school kids are super anxious. And a lot yeah. of them are also just going to be little assholes and just like, oh, I, I, I feel like I have COVID. I need to go to the nurse. They ask to go oh, to the guaranteed. nurse. Guaranteed. It's going to be eventually be the cool thing to do. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I know. I know exactly so what you mean. then there's a chance that they can get sent back to the room. And then the nurse will be like, oh, they're good. So now I have to stop what I'm doing, get the kid back in here. So it's God just. God forbid maybe they're asymptomatic. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a shit show. No I was going to ask one other thing, but I forgot it. what it was. Um, oh, are you guys going to do like thermometers in the schools or anything like that to enter the school? Like, will the kids need to do thermometer readings? Well, someone asked about them entering the school building and that was brought up. And the answer was, we haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> so they haven't figured anything They don't know, out man. Yet. They don't know. None of the, no one knows what to do. Not, not that I expected like a, an elaborate plan. I know things change. I get that, that, that they don't have full autonomy really of what goes on in the building. But it's just, it's so discouraging. Yeah. Like when, when our governors say like, oh yeah, schools are good to go. You guys can reopen. It's like Gina, like, have you been in the schools? Clearly like, is anyone good? No, Clearly that's what I mean. She just feels like out of touch. And like we said, that there's probably powers out there that are influencing her to do certain things. I mean, she's not up for re-election this year. And, you know, and, and it would obviously be a lot different if this were an election year, I think, but you know, if she sends everyone back and God forbid, like the thing we talked about with like football, what if someone dies? Yeah. What if someone dies when they had an one option teacher, to one, keep one student? Yeah. When, if, when, if someone passes away, because, you know, even though, even knowing we had another option to not put anybody in the schools, how is that going to work? How is that going to look for her? It's going to look awful. Yeah. So I don't know. Hey, it's, what's, what's the guy from New York? Comey? He killed like a Como, million yeah. old people by putting all those old people back in the nursing homes. And oh, yeah. He got away with it. Totally but brushed you, under the rug. If you go on CNN, I think he's a being investigated now. Yeah. I hope so, dude. They're like, oh, he, he, that that fucking guy is writing a book about his <laughs> pandemic response. Yeah. Oh. They, they said they wanted him to run for president because of his press conferences. Yeah, he, because he would like call Trump out and stuff. And everyone was yeah. like, Como for president. Like, you are president. everything. <laughs> As he fills nursing homes with COVID patients. And by, by the way, all that, all that talk about government ineffectiveness, I just want to highlight our topic of the previous episode where Jared wants more. Well, I know. I know. <laughs> as soon as we started the topic, I was like, God, all right, right wing it. Mo, back in the driver's seat. Oh, damn it. boy. No um, government. Yeah. Taxation no without baby. representation. Um, so I... Uh, this, this really has almost zero relevance. I just thought we'd appreciate it. Um, so I'm listening to my, my life's back now that my boy Kirky's back. And, uh, <laughs> Kirk's back. All right. He's Kirk's doing back, okay. Baby. He's doing okay. Um, but uh, I don't even know how it really got brought up. So there was 
some I don't know Adam because you kind of still follow Barstool I think more than Jared probably but do you know who Paul LaDuca is did you hear all the stuff going on honestly no Uh, I have no no. idea who that is Jared you didn't hear that either there used to be a baseball player called Paul LaDuca yeah that's the same guy catcher yeah yeah yeah, so he works at Barstool now which I didn't I didn't didn't know. know that yeah, and he like um, he's on like the betting side um, of the company and does like gambling shows. And apparently, he's been, like had a horrible record, like was three and thirteen over the last sixteen games or something. So, <laughs> Barstool being Barstool, they were shitting all over him and like promoting the fact that he was so bad, saying like, "Hey, you should fade this guy's picks because you can make yourself a lot of money." He just went three and thirteen, and apparently, this guy got all fucking pissed, bent out of shape like went to like call HR and uh, it was just about to be another one of those examples of like, holy shit, man, like this place really has like changed completely compared to what we know it as. And then our boy Feidelberg ate that up. No, no. Our boy, our boy Feidelberg comes in with some haymakers. Dude, I thought this was great sensitivity it's like, 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 like when you like, want like, dream of crying and like texting erica mm. who the like it oh, was to it was to jen wasn't it is that the text i saw yeah uh, yes yeah. like just, just gonna tell dave i mean that's just gonna happen i don't right. know sensitivity it's like, 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 like when like, you like, want like, dream of crying and like texting erica mm. who the fuck do you think you are texting the ceo oh, of the company my god you're a little upset Mm-hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, dude, like, I'm still scared to talk to Erica. I, I asked Erica for a fucking employee verification form, which is pretty fucking standard, I think. And I, I asked her for it. She's like, of course, I can't wait. I'm so excited, blah, blah, blah. And then I went and got lunch, and I came back up, and I apologized for asking her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and well, in, in, in the real world, weird you don't move, usually, okay. like, walk into the CEO's office or just People call like, the CEOs. Get the fuck out of here. You're all such... Fucking pussy! <laughs> Every one of you. That's right. insane. Yeah. Fucking blocking people on Twitter. Get fucking em. whining to the fucking CEO. Get em. Fucking crying to HR. Get him. Pussies! It's sad to see what's happened to this company. And I mean, for you, anybody who's ever in Milton is, you know, they they're fucking laughing their heads off right now. They're sort of screaming their heads off because of what you guys had to like live through and do i mean could you imagine those guys in that environment it's oh god no. could you imagine god let's go i love heidelberg it, dude. dude i mean Finally, we, we all were thought in a million thinking. years i would hear a guy like that say something he probably That's just knows how hard he had to grind and the shit he had to put up with and for these people to come in and just be such little whiny babies he's like you're missing the boat of what made barstool great right it's not like finding the first thing to tweet about it's like the authenticity and like being a guy's guy, not being a little pansy. Yeah. And, and being public about stuff and not going behind closed doors and complaining about tattletailing. Like, yeah. Like, dude, I, that's what we, KFC we all was saw. talking about with like when he said Milton, the Milton yeah. office back in yeah, the yeah. Like, you know, that was, you know, probably uh, not a great place to work sometimes. You know what I mean? When you were the bearer of the. If you were talking. blind, Mike, or right. Um, I mean, we we all we all saw everybody the did it. Everybody yeah. did it, knowing it was great content. It was you know what they wanted to be, and now you got guys like fucking Brandon Walker who have been there for a year, and like I I thought that was a great point when he said that because I don't even think about it, and I know it's different than a lot of companies there because they're so close to her with content, but. Like the fact that you reaching out directly to the CEO in Brandon Walker's case 
and asking her to do something about people being mean on Twitter. Like, I don't think I really grasped how crazy that was. Yeah. The CEO well, of a multi-hundred million dollar Half company. a billion dollar company. Half of a billion. Would you guys even be able to have easy access to your CEO? God, no. no. That's what no. I mean. Like, and I, I know it's, you know, Schneider, Barstool, they're a little different, but they're, but they're big, successful companies. I just can't imagine, like, one of you being like, you know what? I'm not cool with what's going on with one of my coworkers. Let me talk to the CEO and see if we can get to the bottom of this. Like, I can't imagine that ever happening. In, a nor- I mean, in, in, in any other business. Ty, like, put yourselves even in, like, smaller shoes. If you were to complain to a VP, tell me your boss would I not pull you aside imagine. after and say, what the F is wrong with you? Why would you ever do that? <laughs> right. And that's, that's just to a VP, never mind the CEO. Right. And it, even if you said that to your boss, age, Matt would probably be like, dude, we got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> dude, he'd probably say you're fired. Yeah, like that, that's just not acceptable. And but in today's day and age, if you were to go public with that, people would celebrate you and say yeah, you, you would you would be a hero. You'd, you'd be, be a, a yeah, hero from the mob. I hate the mob. Um, yeah, so that was funny. I, I did that's great. That and I was like, all right, well, we've Big talked enough fan. about He's Barstool being pussies. You know what I mean? That that was encouraging. Or Newport guy, good dude. Good yeah, dude, haven't, good guy. Haven't had any Feidelberg sightings in uh, Newport lately but it was pretty funny seeing him from my parents place like right across from us in o'brien's it was just kind of random it's just funny like when you see someone on on camera and on your phone and on computers and on tv all the time and then they just happen to be like 15 feet for you it's just kind of it's kind of funny um i know you had mentioned adam rnc recap on your on your show notes did you want to touch on that a little bit before we get into the yeah, story of the country i don't yeah uh i don't I don't know how Indian matchmaking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, we can talk about that too. Cause there, there's some interesting stuff about that, but um, just in general, cause I know we were, we, you know, Jared was alerting us about the Hill and their little recaps. So those recap videos were good. They're cool. Yeah. yeah. And I actually ended up stumbling upon the Joe Rogan episode. And I, I listened to some of that. That was pretty cool. But I think um, I thought they did a great job. Cause I, I'll be honest. I didn't watch, any of any either the dnc or the rnc i didn't see anything live everything was recaps everything was just opinion and response to it so i'm not going to sit here and say like i saw everything and i know exactly what happened but according to the hill just going to use them to start off in general it seemed you know like the dnc like there and we talked about this a little bit so i'll make the dnc part brief but we talked about how their main focus was pretty much just trump is is evil Trump's yeah. the devil. Four and that days was the, of never Trump. Yeah. So that was the basis of their whole thing. Whereas Trump, it just seemed like from the Hill's perspective that, you know, the, the, the Republican Party did a, I wouldn't say a much better job because like they were, you know, for, for all the positive things that they would say, they, there were plenty of negative things too. You know, like, you know, they're, uh, that guy who pretty much referred to the, the, the pandemic as like past tense. That's you our know, chief as, as economic people, advisor. As Larry people Kudlow. are dying. But yeah, as people are dying by the day um, in hospitals and, and all that shit. But, you know, it just seemed like Trump's message and Trump's, you know, main point of the RNC, like, it just seemed more defined. And they capitalized on things the DNC didn't even touch on. And one of them was like doing all, you know, one thing I thought was interesting, not interesting, but it would seem like common sense 
they had a lot of the common folk worker people yeah. coming up and doing these video interviews and talking about how, you know, what things were like with Obama. And then, you know, in, in terms of their job, you know, and obviously like steel mills, coal, uh, fisher, you know, fishermen and, and, and all these people doing these like labor intensive blue collar jobs, like something as simple as that. They, they seemed like they made a, a, they made it a point to get those people out there in these pre-recorded, you know, conventions. And the, and the Democrats obviously. brought up Julie Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bringing up fucking know. Elaine from <laughs> Billy Sydney. Eilish, who can't well, so, even yeah. vote. So that, that's the point I was going to make, is if you watched that DNC, you would think that the Democrats didn't lose the last election because everybody right. was sick, sick of corporate politics and everything that they did. They're literally doing the exact same playbook as they did in 2016 even down to not even down to like keeping biden like in the shadows and and that that's one thing like hillary it's not to jump in here but i'm just saying like hillary said the same thing like even she regrets not being out there as much it was almost like they want trump to be out there more so he can slip up well and and then we're just gonna we're just gonna go on cruise control because we don't we feel like we don't need to be out there as much like it seems like they're doing that all over again sorry um this is why they this is why they they keep this guy behind closed doors though. COVID has taken this year just since the outbreak has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives it's just it's I mean you think about today. it. More lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. <laughs> Dude, I can't, man. I mean, I dude, this is his first I know. Like, he lives. came out of the closet because he needed the basement because he needed to. Right. Hey, dude, you're slipping in the polls. You got to get out there. And that was his appearance today. Yeah. Oh, oh my. my god, dude! They fucked themselves picking him, in my opinion. That's point. why I keep saying I almost hope they lose because of it. Like, like they're not connecting the dots of the reason they lost in 2016 was because people were so sick of everything the Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton and these people stood for. And they just elected a demented male Hillary Clinton. Like, there's no, there's no difference. Yeah, but I, I think there's something to, and, and you, can, you could see it, um, you know, last week or the, uh, two weeks ago, rather, when the DNC was going on, that they're trying to bring on, you know, all these quote-unquote former Republicans to speak, right? And yeah. I think they're, John I think Kasich. they do that. I don't think, I mean, everybody, you know, knows they do that to try to get those moderate people. Yeah. But I don't, you know, it's, it's clearly not working. Well, so here's the other point I was going to ask you guys. How do you feel that, to be honest, the presidential election comes down to middle America and rural America? Those are usually the swing states, rural America. So well, the, the, the audience that I think what Trump and the RNC pandered to and I think did a pretty solid job of is farmers manufacturing workers in rural class America. Yeah. Like, do you think it's okay that those are the only people he needs to convince or anybody would need to convince to be president of all the United States? Well, what would it look like? Right. I mean, so we just talked about the people he brought up, you know, just blue collar workers. Like what would, what would he do to show to you that he's, you know, calling on the coasts? You well, know, so or, I, I wasn't thinking of it that way. I was thinking of it more of what the DNC should have done. Like the DNC had just had all these like corporate 
John Kasich. Like, who, what has John Kasich done? Like, I think he was like a governor. I don't know, yeah, something been, like that. I think it was Ohio. But like yeah. these yeah. people who look like just as white collar, like not never got their hands dirty in their life as can be. And right. like, I just don't see those as being the people who you'd see a farmer in Idaho watching the DNC and say, that guy's speaking to me. You know right. what I mean? Right. And the other thing too is, and something we've discussed how, and I know Jared, you've gone over it extensively where, you know, the whole Trump campaign in 2016 was to get those blue collar people yeah, in there a, and pretty much tell them campaign to tell them that I'm going to look out for you guys. And we've, we've covered that. A lot of what he's done really is not geared towards that group. But you know who's preaching Trump's praises? The same exact group of people. So it's almost like he knows that he has that, or at least has the majority of that group. He's like going all in on his base. And I think that was a big part of that convention, you know, plan well, was to go, not, not completely, but just to go all, mainly all in on that group of people to, I guess, carry him to the, to the finish line. I mean, I, I mean, cause I, I know the poll numbers, like we've talked about can be deceiving, but like you said, Biden's poll numbers have dropped in the last few a weeks. Lot, yeah. if, if you care about poll numbers, they've gone down a little bit. So something seems to be working, you know, and, but Ty, you were saying, well, I, I was just saying, um, I think historically middle America votes Republican because of the things like, you know, um, being tough on China, right? Trying to bring more jobs back to this country. Yeah. A lot of those manufacturing jobs, where are they probably going? To the, to the middle of America so that, you know, those distribution companies can ship everywhere in the, in, in the country. And then, you know, what, what, like we talked about the other day, right? We talked about, you know, why would someone not want to support uh, climate change initiatives on a political level? Um, and that's, that's why too, like fracking and, you know, yeah. oil and gas, like those jobs all give, you know, a living to so many middle Americans that I just, you know, but to, maybe to your point, it's like, dude, well, if you have that base solid, you know, you can, you can say your bit about, we're going to be tough on China. You know, we're not, we're going to, we're not going to push back against anti-fracking and all that shit. Right. And why don't you try to get, go after, you know, the, yeah, like, why, why, country, why don't but, you expand outside of your base and try to get other people that are not as like not a hundred percent? Talk but, talk to the people that are in corporate America. Yeah, and no, what you're gonna do to true. help them, right? Uh, it just seems I, like he was going all in on that base again. Well, and I was just even thinking like the whole tough on China thing. I think most of America would agree with like that's not necessarily a Republican talking point. It can be just a talking point in general. Like, why would the Democrats not try and say the same thing? Like, but NAFTA was a disaster. We've lost middle, middle America. Let's rebuild it. Like, that's not a hard story to tell and get no, that, people that, bought in. You would think that would be bipartisan. Yeah, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think it really is, though. I think, like, the, the Democratic establishment kind of has more of a globalist feel, you know what I mean, a globalist attitude, and, like, uh, let's, be, let's be friendly with everybody, you know what I mean, and not ruffle feathers where, you know, you could, we can go back and again, this is one of those things we're talking and I, don't, I could be saying the complete fucking wrong thing. But yeah, I think historically Republicans will stand on a, you know, tough on foreign policy, you know, fighting for, you know, American jobs kind of attitude. And maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel but like they're, they're also pro free market and capitalism, which would be like global trade. Which I think right. brings us back to like, I but think I it think was, you Clint, could it find, was Clinton, 
yeah. who passed NAFTA. Like it just brings me back to the point of like Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, they're all one slight deviation from each other in what they're actually trying to a- accomplish. Yeah. Yep. But um, um if I were if I were a betting man, I think Trump's getting closer to winning this election. And, and I'm kind that, of okay that, with that's it. A- that's a far cry from a month ago or you know, yeah. a month and this a half we were discussing. Implode. People are going to lose their fucking minds. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be I, in Portland if that happens. Dude. I, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I, can't and, uh, I figured that'd be a good segue. I don't know if you were going to go there, Ty. But... No, I wasn't going to go there. What I was going to say was, I think, to transition, um, we heard all, really, you know, I would say probably, what, 30 40% of what we heard all week for the Democratic National Convention was a lot of emotion and race relations, right? And all that, you know, kind of stuff. You heard not word one about that stuff in the RNC other than to say we back police, the thin blue line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, saying, um, what's his face? Is Biden's going to defund the police and you're going to live in an unsafe right. America? Even though right. he's pretty much, he already said he's not like he's been pretty i think they're that's a that's one thing that i think is kind of misconstrued biden's already said he doesn't want to fund the <laughs> yeah, police I, biden is the, not the president doesn't have all. fucking control of the yeah. city's it, police funding but obviously it, it, like, people people who don't follow the news like trump's like biden wants to defund your your law enforcement everyone's like yeah like we don't want that like you know so it's just you know it's just like a fact check kind and of thing. for once i will give biden credit for a good comeback his comeback to like biden's gonna lead to like an unsafe America in the RNC. They were showing all clips of current day America. And he's like, dude, this is your America right now. Like this, is, this has nothing to do with me. This unsafe America. I'm not in charge right now. Right. Which well, was if, a pretty Tr- good if Trump were smart and quick on his feet, he'd say, actually, pal, those cities that you're taking videos of have been under democratic leadership for the last 30 fucking years. Yeah. And they need right. a sheriff in town. <laughs> so that that just i figured would transition into you know the jacob blake shooting because now this is an embarrassing question to ask but when uh what was the day that that happened um, i think it was tuesday last tuesday okay so right after we yeah it sounds recorded. right yeah. yeah um so i, I kind of wanted to first i guess start with you know the nba boycotts because again uh for an audience that doesn't know us we are three white males so the only way who loves the stuff, nba the only way this stuff affects us is if fucking sports get uh you know impacted so that's if, if there's ever been a admittance <laughs> well, i of think there's your answer privi- it, it works <laughs> yeah right. I think there's, yeah there's ever been an admittance of white privilege it's that right there um but so obviously that flew across uh you know the the country's news cycle in a, in a flash and went viral um so I don't know, Adam. You want to want to start and and just kind of give us your overall thoughts there, specific to the NBA about the about the boycott, the air quotes. No, about last night's playoff game. Oh, I'm thinking you're talking. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, about the fucking boycott. Oh, shooting. I don't know. It was like I thought Are you I listened to what I just said. I mean, I kind of. I'll be honest. I was kind of nuts. So that's why. Deep sure. in Roto World. Oh my no. God. I do have some breaking moves after, but we can talk about that later. Don't call but, it that. I'm tired of that. <laughs> breaking news then. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think like we've discussed it on our text chain about the boycotts and everything that, that took place, you know, over the span of three days and, you know, pretty much as we said, what is this going to do? Cause you know, their, their initial, um, reasoning behind it, you know, like the slow domino effect of the, the bucks just didn't come out and warm up and the magic were like, Oh, they're, they're, they're protesting. So we'll, we'll do it too. And then everyone else kind of did the same thing and followed suit in an effort to bring awareness to police brutality, to bring awareness to the systemic you know, racism. Right. Which again, we can all agree that those things are very prevalent in today's society and they need to be addressed. However, what did that actually accomplish? Three days. So it was a Wednesday when it started it ended on Friday with like an agreement that was made you know, between, you know, the Players Association and the rest of the NBA, I'm a guess, like, you know, uh, I guess like execs. I don't know if the owners were heavily involved in that. Uh, I know Adam Silver, you know, represents the owners in a way, but, you know, they came to an agreement they were going to have like a, a, a racial injustice coalition or something. Yeah. Which they I put think, together a ton of money for it or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and they, and, they, and they already committed to like that 10-year, $300 million, you know, initiative to, you know, help. All right, so give us your thoughts on it. You just laid it out. Well, I, I was going into that. I said, yeah, so I, I don't really know exactly what – I think the goal of that is so all over the place. Like, again, they wanted to spread awareness about something that's been – So did it spread awareness that, in your eyes? I don't think it spread any more awareness than, you know, than the day before it happened, you know, before the pro protest went down. I don't you think don't think so, changed. the fact that it was national headline news that every single pro sport – boycotted for a day spread awareness i mean awareness about racial injustice ha hasn't awareness being ha hasn't haven't hasn't awareness of race yeah i mean if you went on the news spread? app that tuesday or you know before the day before the protest like if you're living you, under you a fucking rock then maybe but like i mean we've been hearing about this since may i mean obviously for a while now but obviously the events with of george floyd in may We've been hearing about this stuff forever. Like, you know, the, the protests in, in Portland have been going right. on for over 100 days. Like, I just don't know how much that did for, like, starting positive change. And, and I think the reason why is because, and, and I'm only assuming this, but it, it seems at the surface that the only goal was awareness, right? So, because I, I happen to agree with you, Adam, that from an awareness perspective, I don't really think this helped anything. You know, I, th I think it, like it was a lot of dialogue, a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion about it. You know what I mean? When it happened, it was obviously a hot topic. But I, I mean, you again, you couldn't turn on a, a te network television, you know, news network. You couldn't turn on, you know, a podcast, any uh, podcast. Bleacher Report feed. Everything was nothing but that. Right. Well, I'm, I'm just saying even before that, though. You couldn't go on a normal news network and not see an article about the Jacob Blake shooting and yeah. not see something about social injustice. Which would it, have it been the everywhere. same thing without the boycott or strike. Because people are now wondering, was it a boycott? Was it a strike? I mean, the definitions are, are pretty I think that's different. irrelevant what the title is. Yeah. But So the, the way I looked at it is, in my mind, and maybe this isn't exactly what they were trying to do, is I saw this as them raising awareness that we're not okay with the steps forward we've said we've taken of the NBA putting Black Lives Matter on every jersey and this and that 
and these kind of topical issues or topical solutions that we always talk about. I interpreted it as we're not okay with that. We need to make more change. I think where the buck fell short literally was my guess is their thought process was money talks, right? Let's cost the NBA and these owners some money so they'll stand up and do something about it. And eight hours in, they realize it's going to cost them just as much money as it's going to cost the NBA owners. And that's when very quickly the story changed from we're boycotting the rest of the season and some team was into that to this is going to have drastic financial ramifications for all of us, so we're not going to do that. And it was going to have, you know, ramifications for the CBA. You know, like, you know, their, their, their collective bargaining agreement, I mean, that was going to be drawn into question because I know, I know you said, Jared, doesn't the, the difference between a strike and a boycott, it doesn't really matter. It kind of matters from, a, from the CBA's perspective because they have a no-strike clause, and technically what they were doing was very strike Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I think the term is a wildcat strike. It's like a strike that is not that well organized and like it just kind of happened and no one was really alerted about it. Wasn't it wasn't a union led strike. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, what that, you, that's, so that's what I meant by, you know, is it a strike? Is it a boycott? Cause people are, you know, are discussing that and, and it could have had bigger implications if, if it went on a lot longer. Cause yeah. So CBA overall, what's your feeling, Jared? So I'm, I'm totally okay, okay with them doing it. And I'm sure they I, appreciate that. <laughs> you asked for my opinion. My opinion. No, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm totally okay with them doing it. I support it, and I do 100% empathize with the frustration that I'm sure you have as an African American community member right now. Of yes, we under like this is how I would look at it if I were them. Yes, we know people are paying more attention. We know we have Black Lives Matters on everything, and we have white hipsters protesting in Portland. But what you guys don't understand is black people are still dying in the streets. And this could be me. This could be my cousin. This could be my kid. And like that, I think that's why they were so frustrated. And some guys were so emotional about it is because I don't think we're any step closer to things improving at all. I don't think so either. Yeah. And, and, and again, like you saying, like putting the decals, Black Lives Matter, and then like having their having Changing the commentary, the name of the Redskins, like having on, having the commentary, yeah. like discuss it every now and then, like hey, like you know, let's it's you know, we we see all the you know all the coaches wearing the against racial injustice, and like th- this is all window dressing. Yep, th- th- oh, this is not 100%. actually going to do anything, and that's nope. why, yeah, and I I think. I would say most people, I, I'm, I'm sure Ty himself agrees too. Like I get, I don't have an issue with, I mean, they, they obviously have the right to do that stuff. That's, that's fine. And, and we all agree that things need to change. It's just like, did that really make any change? I don't, I don't think it did. I think that's the hard part is. Which sucks. What, I mean, what I, I wish it did. No, well, I wish it, it actually now, did. It, what did we talk about, right? We just talked about all those things, right? You cited all those different examples. We can add this one as being the li- to the list of being window dressing. I don't think they it wanted was a quick, it to be win, but they no, didn't no, I don't think they did either. I, no, well, I, I agree. I don't, I don't I, think I, they intended for that. I, obviously, they didn't intend for it, or they wouldn't have done it. But what did they think was going to happen? I guess is what I, you know, want to know. Like, it wasn't that well thought out. No, yeah. and, and again, it was literally just like a spur of the moment thing, which is which I'd again, had, I guess I would have had way more respect for them, and I think we'll all agree if they had said no, fuck this. If this is something we all really feel this strongly about, fuck this. We're not playing. We demand a summit with, you know, local 
government. Yeah, I want the governor from every because they could basically do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because those owners are not going to want to piss away money. Just you know, as much they, as the they players could get a governor aren't. on the phone in ten minutes if they want. They I could probably I, get them all to fucking fly to the bubble, dude. And yeah. if they if they said I demand a, the governor from every you know state that we play in or something to that effect, and we are going to have a discussion about exactly what the laws and policies are that we can change and how we're going to change them so that we can actually see the effects. Yep. So I think, I think members of the Milwaukee Bucks actually did do a small version of that. I'm pretty sure they made contact with state legislation in Wisconsin. I didn't even put two and two together that they're from Wisconsin until you just said that. Well, yeah. That's, I why, mean that's that, why they're the ones who did it. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty much why Well, I just saw LeBron was pissed that Giannis stole his thunder. Oh, LeBron. We could talk about him after too. He but owed. did you but see yeah, did I you mean, see his little gesture, the Wakanda sign? Oh, dude. He I made sure LeBron, every, he made sure I everybody saw that. Hate that. How man. long do you think he held that pose for photos? I, I dude. It's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the like, whole it, national anthem. It's so crazy because like we talk about good dude, good do- good guy, right? I mean, he is definitely a good guy. Like yeah. I think he's yeah. probably an awesome dad, a good friend. But holy shit, dude. He is one of the most self-centered sons of bitches ever. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, and then that's been a culmination of years of being looked at as, you know, the, the, second, the second coming of, of Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> on, on a basketball court. So, I mean, when you think about it, it's he's, kind of like well, the perfect. Was that guy from 300, Xerxes, the man god? Yeah. King of Kings. He's the, he's the, he's <laughs> yeah. the king yeah. of Kings, man. LeBron's king of Kings. In his eyes. Yeah. So, I guess. I guess I don't know if we want to close that other segment out, but like, I think in general, I think we all, we all think that those things need to be addressed, but I think we all agree that again, real change has not been started because of this stuff, which is unfortunate. I wish it yeah, did. It's, it's I really do, up. but they, they need to dig down deeper. Like I loved like fucking Jalen Brown. Yeah. I loved him calling out all because, you know, because obviously a big part of the meeting too, I think some people are just frustrated about, being in the bubble, they miss their families and all that stuff. And like you guys all saw his quote pretty much saying like, all right, well, those of you who are preaching that we need to get out of this bubble, we need to solve, you know, racial injustice and all this stuff. When, if you, if this were to end and you're allowed to leave, are you just going to go home and just carry on your, your rich life? Or are you actually going to do what I did? He didn't say like, do what I did, but we all know he was out there and there's video evidence of him being out there for a while. He in those drove protests. to Atlanta yeah. from Boston. Like, are you going to actually get on the ground, like grassroots protests and just be out there and be amongst the people? And again, I'm, I'm not saying that that is the kind of action, the only kind of action needs to be taken, but right. at I mean, least you could he's saying- smack him down. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But at least he's saying- We, like, we hey, can-, like, we can uh, it, get behind his point though absolutely yeah right. so and and they have they have the resources to make real change i hope they do i hope when this whole playoff and the playoffs are over yeah when the celtics are raising banner nine banner 18 i was gonna say 19 but they're raising banner 18 it's gonna be fucking awesome and then i hope that they buckle down they don't let the owners forget they don't let the nba execs forget what was discussed last week and they actually start to push forward with these initiatives to solve the problems in our country why do local governments – I won't even bring the federal government into it. Why do local governments not want to take any action on this? What is it? A couple states have passed laws? That's about well, it, right? there's police unions, you know, what you have to deal with. Um, you know, and then 
I think it's an incredibly incredible. We talked about it with COVID and, you know, giving Gina a hard time and saying, well, I wouldn't want to fucking have that job. You know what I mean? Making the kind of decision she has no. to make with regards to school. And I can, we can say the same thing about this. I don't want to fucking be that guy that yeah, has to decide. You know what I mean? Because you, like you can't, you're not going to really be able to attribute necessarily. I guess you could look at like, just, I just answered my question, like rise in, in crime and rise in, like uh, murders and whatnot, but you know, it's, it's easy to sign a piece of paper that says defund the police. Right. But then when things start to go wrong, like at what point do you try to readdress and say, Hey, maybe we made some wrong decisions. And I I guess like to clarify, I don't think many people who actually have a brain wanted to fund the police. Like I've nobody said to fund the police is any of these NBA protests. I'm talking just in, people working towards a solution, whether that's more funds, less funds, different policies. I, I don't know. I, I, I disagree. I think a lot of people are calling for defunding the police, but um, yeah, I mean, there, there's gotta be certain laws, you know what I mean? Or not laws, but you know, things in place to protect officers, you know, and, and I, I've seen a bunch of like the, uh, the, after the George Floyd incident, um, there was a bunch of like things on Instagram you know, or lists of, uh, you know, things that can be changed right away, like chokeholds and, you know what I mean? Like all these different, you know, mechanisms and maneuvers, um, you know, that we can ban, you know, in, in, in a certain town or city. Um, but I, I don't know what the, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to ask you this. This is a tough question. What about that, this situation that played out you know, if we talk about like a, a policy that changes or whatnot, what could have changed what happened in that scenario where it, yeah. we, we lay it out, right? I mean, people say it doesn't matter, but if you're a police officer and a human being, I think you're kind of on edge, right? The guy had a uh, warrant out for his arrest. You know, he he's had, reaching into his car as he, he, well, he, he pointed on. You and, know, he was an accused rapist, so unfortunately not a great guy just yep. by those standards, right, from which we have to judge. And they, they tried to tase him twice. He I didn't know they tried to tase him yeah. twice. Well, they, they initially did that. It didn't do anything. He tried it to tase work. him twice. It didn't work. How the hell did tasers not work? You just I, I don't know. I don't know. And he's walking away. You know what I mean? They have a, their guns drawn on him, you know, and then, like, not that we have to say it, but obviously the three of us all can say there has to be a better way for that to have played out other than, shooting somebody seven fucking times seven yeah. fucking times and and somebody like that, alive. I, I just that doesn't just doesn't make sense to me no that well, doesn't it, register it, yeah. in my head no, nothing and, and about that register. I, I but, but back to my original you know question i was trying to ask right is what how how do policies change that situation and i i, I agree with everything you said i don't think something is simple as saying banning chokeholds or something like that's going to fix the issue i think the only two things that come to mind for me is like you almost need to get rid of this thought process that it's okay for police to kill people and shoot people unless you reach this extreme, extreme circumstance, right? Well, that's and, the problem, right, is the, the definition of that circumstance. I agree, but, but we at least need to have a conversation about it of when is it okay for police to use lethal force? It should, it should not be, in my opinion, and I know this is very nuanced, but it should not be the first defense of you feel threatened, 
safety off hand on the trigger fi- figure. Trigger, trigger finger. <laughs> <laughs> well said. And agree uh, on all points. Yeah. Um, and, and the other part, which I would say is even more difficult because this is so high level and fluffy, is... <laughs> high level and <laughs> fluffy. Jesus like, Christ. I'm loving this. I, I don't know I don't know the better word use for it other than fluffy, but like it's it's rooted in our DNA, as sad as it is to say, of if you see somebody who has a criminal record or even not, somebody who's African American, I think police treat them differently than they do a white person. And I think a great example is <laughs> yeah, wait, hold on. And you think that's rooted in our DNA? Yeah, I, I really, I really do. I don't, I don't think it's so a, a part of you. choice. So a part of you is, are is scared of African Americans more so in a similar situation than a, a fucking white person. It's scared isn't the word I would use, but it's I, I Maybe guarantee we're conditioned. We're conditioned con- to feel that. Yeah, way. I think yeah. it's a very subconscious. Well, that's different than being in your DNA. Well, that's conditioned that's, to no, be. That's what I was going to say about Jared's like comment about okay I, I would, either I way subconscious nurture or nature I think it's a subconscious bias that's the word right oh subconscious sure. bias yeah and I think that's something that we need to work on changing whether it's a police in African-American situation or just in general that we need to for the first time ever treat black people like people and I know that can't just happen overnight but we need to change the way we people racial profile and all those things those are okay so take yourself for example because you just admitted to that how what what's gonna what are you gonna change i don't know (laughs) (laughs) this is what it's a tough fucking question man Man. this is why you listen to this podcast people because you get down into the deep levels of the brain so so, so, and, and this was, I had this written down, right? And this is a perfect time to bring this up because I said, you hear so much. And again, this is impossible to criticize people, you know what I mean, in this time. But if we have to do it for the sake of talking to each other, like we hear a lot of, we need to have the conversation. We demand justice. We yep. want change. What, we need to go further than that. Again, that's like a window dressing statement to me. Uh, and I, I agree, but I think it starts with something like a conversation. Like, and I know this isn't Apple's app. We've been having the conversation, like, I think, for no, years. No, hear me out. Hear me out. Let me finish my sentence. Uh, uh, oh, God, you wouldn't let me finish my sentence. Let me finish. Because you cut my sentence off. Your <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so, like, uh, I'm thinking of, like, if you think of pivotal, pivotal speeches and moments of leadership throughout human history, they're, they're out there. And I think if, if you had an MLK-type speech by a, a leader who had authority and was well-respected and said— Like Joe Biden. Like Joe Biden. <laughs> and I would pay to see him try and make these points. But said something along the lines of, you know, we, we've come a long way since the Civil War, but we have a long way to go. And there we need to— continue to stride to treat african-american people just like everybody else and here are some ways where they are still disenfranchised even though you may not see it in your everyday life and we need to work together as a society to improve on this situation knowing it's going to be difficult and it's going to take time like i know that's more window dressing but i think obama did that but obama's full of shit oh well dude i mean what, what do you you're asking for a miracle here 
I don't. I don't, know. I, I don't, I don't think know. Obama's full of shit. I think he cared. I think I think he cares. I think but... he cares a little more than our current president does about this stuff. I think we can say that safely. I, well, and I, and yeah. I guess the point I was getting at with the whole like leadership moments and how pivotal they are in human history is not everything I think is a policy situation. Like you don't pass a policy to make people less racist, right? You you, you need to figure out how do you influence. No, people. but how no, do... but you can and educate force them. policies to uh, first and foremost. Uh, make sure that those people see their day in fucking court if you're going right. to kill someone, you know what I mean, without being shot at first. There should be justice for that stuff. You know what I mean? Or, or you know, and this is why, again, Kenosha doesn't have fucking body cameras, dude. We want to talk about defunding the police. Get those motherfuckers body cameras so we can see if those fucking guys are telling the truth right. when they said Jacob Blake had a gun on him. Now, the, the, the guy himself, Jacob Blake, ended up confirming that he did have a knife. But yeah. that's beside the point. It's like you want to have trust, you know what I mean, in those guys that are telling the story. Have it on camera. And if the world can see that it was not just, go, they go to fucking prison. So I think you, you're never going to – you're never going to – that's why, like, I, I think it, a lot of it's so, like, pie-in-the-sky mentality with this stuff where I think you need to, like, really hit – down deeper and again this is you know who the fuck am or not to be saying this but I, I just you know i don't know yeah i i, I just fucking had a biden moment and like lost my no but <laughs> I, I think but, but i think that this is gonna take it's cliche to say it say it but it's gonna take a long long time to get where jared is talking about in terms of like we like if we're walking down a street and it's dark out and we see somebody who's African-American walking by with, us with a do-rag on and their so pants like, sagging. And, like and, it's, and unfortunately yeah. society has conditioned us to, to, to think, well, well, this person is more dangerous than, than someone else who looks totally different than this person. Yeah. But if, if take up the, that color of the person's skin and just change it to a white person, if you're in the same neighborhood at night and that person is dressed the same way, looks the same way, you'd be scared. Well, the, and that I, I would be a little more, I think, I think the point that Jared was trying to make is I, that I think we're conditioned. I'm not saying I wouldn't be afraid, Ty. I'm not saying if I'm walking down an alley, a dark alley by myself, I'm a bigger guy, but I'd still be worrying about stuff like that. I don't care who it is walking on the other side of this other dark alley with uh, this, this dark alley with me. And we're the only two people there. I'd be worried no matter what, but it, it's, I don't think it's a hot take to think that most white people tend to be a little more nervous if that person is black. I mean, and I'm not, I don't mean it to sound all, I know it sounds awful, but we've been conditioned to feel that way by over who? time. So, by the well, media, dude. By, no, by, and by, by, by society, by dude. All this, uh, like Adam, all this, when, when, was, when was Jim Crow? When did busing and all that happen? 50s and 60s? Jim Crow was well before that. I mean, Jim when Crow ended in the 50s. Busing, uh, I mean, 1890s was, was when are you talking about like when segregation like in buses started is that but what you're busing asking? continued into no i'm I, pretty sure the 50s and 60s no no it did you were asking when jim crow jim crow was well before the 50s and 60s okay but my, either way clarify. i guess the, the yes. reason i brought that point up is because ty because i think literally in our parents lives and, and i'll make a second point after this is there there okay, was I'll, I'll hold on for the second point <laughs> there was tangible systemic racism of course Not, yeah of course and, and i think that's why 
these subconscious biases are as strong as they are. But the second point I was going to make with that is I don't think any of the three of us, and of course this is going to sound ridiculous because we're saying it, but are racist or anything close to racist. And if we were to look at the subconscious racist bias we had, they're probably pretty small compared to a lot of other people in the country. There's a lot of other people who may not wear white robes and go to KKK meetings, but I guarantee you they go into a store and see an African-American or something like that, and they don't have a positive thought about them. And I think that's maybe a better way okay, to articulate okay. my point I, about I, subconscious bias. And that's fine, right? And I, I, I don't have to concede it. it, it I, I, it's probably true, right? I mean, that's probably the case with a lot of people. Now, I, I can, I can, I really, again, it sounds, it would sound dumb, I guess, but I don't really agree that I have that kind of bias. I mean, I'm trying to think in my lifetime, at one time where I thought that way and said to myself, I would have felt differently if it were a white person. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I could say I'd and, and, uh, well, necessarily be able to think of those I, examples either. Sure, and, and that's beside the point. Um, God damn it, dude. I keep forgetting my fucking thoughts. <laughs> well, while you're thinking, Joe Hyden. Know, to, to, to the Jim Crow part, like Jared, Jared was talking about tangible systemic racism, the stuff you can literally see, you know, the signs and everything. Again, that started in the late 1800s after Reconstruction pretty much crumbled and failed when these Southern I remember states. What I, I, I remember, I remember, I remember. <laughs> All right. So we're, <laughs> we're, cons- uh, like we're, we're understanding that that's, we'll say it's fact, right? That there's, you know, that subconscious bias. How, how do we change that? I think it's going to be gener- that's going to be a change that happens a generation or two from now. I don't I don't think that's yeah. going to be like a, a something that we can just all agree on collectively as a race and be like, all right. And so if that know. can't change, then what is going to change? Well, here's an interesting question that's kind of related to that, and I don't know the answer to it. I feel like with gay marriage and stuff like that, that changed pretty quickly. What led the openness to the gay community well dude it, you're comparing apples and oranges here well it's, it's, i'm not, not yeah it's a it's yeah, a being different. able to say yes of course someone should have the right to do something whereas this there's an incredible amount of nuance and shit you have to wade through and shit that needs to be investigated every single time it happens to determine what the case was but but at, at and, one and that's point just, in that's time just policing and then think about all the other ways that you know, this country is, is still inherently racist, right, in, in some form or fashion? Like, uh, how? I mean, the only reason I made the comparison is at one point in time, both were like lepers to American society, right? Gays couldn't yeah. get married. You, were, you couldn't, um, what was that movie, Milk? You couldn't be a gay school teacher. You'd be fired if they found out a teacher was gay. Like, I, things I just, like that. I don't think black people are lepers to society. Well, he, that... let, let, me, let me finish the point I was going to make. Two seconds. <laughs> let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish my sentence. And the way the Constitution was written, or whatever, one of the amendments or something like that, a black person was three-fifths of a, a human. Right. Three-fifths right. compromise. Right? So yeah. that, that, that's the point I was making is at some point, they 100% were considered less than human. Right. Yeah. And I think we've come Absolutely. a long way. And, and I it think wasn't until we've come a long way. And it wasn't until the 1960s and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act. It wasn't until then that they started to be somewhat close to being a, an equal to a white yeah. person. So that Jim Crow stigma 
That's when our grandparents were already in their 40s. Exactly. And that was like common practice. Like yeah, go but on dude, a bus. nobody's denying, right, that or, or nobody would question the fact that, you know, America was racist. No, well, here, here's no. an interesting thought. I'm, I'm just saying that having the having that jig, Jim Crow embedded into our society, that's not going to go away in 50, 60 years. I, I think you're right. That's going to take a long time when there were actual laws that kept African-Americans from being seen in public and marrying their white counterparts. Like and, there were laws against this shit. And, and I, I just don't think you can wipe that away in, you know, with the, with a few laws passed here and there and, and just being kinder to one another. That's just, it's embedded in our framework of this country, unfortunately. Right. Uh, so we, we just talked about all those things, right? Society is wrapped up in this right now. And, you know, it, it seems like, everybody's hearts and minds are dedicated to it. We just kind of laid out the fact that you can't change the real problem. So what, are, what it's is not, It's all, not an easy solution. There's no clear the, path we to don't, a solution. There is there's no, no, yeah, it's no real solution. It's just, you know, human beings evolving and, you know what I mean? Shaking those biases. I don't fucking know. I mean, you can't like teach a class and, you know, convince someone about, they're yeah. subconscious I, I, I get biases. your point. So what is all this? So I had it's, the thought it's, it's, as... It's the effort, though. I think it's the effort, which I'm, yeah. I'm all for. I'm knowing all for the effort. Knowing it's in vain, though. No, it's... it's I, it, that, I, I that's not what that, I was going to say. I mean, I'm not saying that the effort is going to be all at a loss. I mean, we're, we're sitting here saying we don't... That, that there's no way to solve this. I think there is. I don't think we know what it is. I don't think we'll ever know what it is. Maybe us... But hopefully, with this, with the continued effort to try to change this stuff, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be shitty at times. It's gonna look messy, but we have to try. We have to try, even if there isn't a clear-cut solution, and and it's gonna be far and away, you know, by the time we achieve it. I'm all for the efforts. And, and I think the comment of it's in vain is, I think at the micro level in the moment, it may feel that way. But if you were to ask, I think people who probably fought for something they were passionate about and their rights, like say when slave, uh, slaves were first freed and they couldn't even buy land yet or something like that. I bet you they never dreamed of being able to buy land, never dreamed of being able to vote, never Dude, dreamed they, of being able to go to right. school with a white person. So I, I think we are on a timeline towards progress. I, don't, I definitely don't think it's in vain. I, and I, I, wouldn't, I don't think it's in vain either at all. Uh, you know, I was kind of playing a little bit of devil's advocate there. I mean, you know the only way you get, you're going to get anything to change. Cause I think you can make some changes on a policy level. Like we talked about where, you know, we, we should fund mandated body cams. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How much would that help us that we don't have to rely on? It would clear up hearsay. a lot of gray area. Yeah. Right. It, you should, that should be a fucking mandate, dude. And the problem I mean, is, is that in, in to, to, to something to us, we hear body cameras. All right, that's great. It will clear up a lot of these horrible things that we read on the news, but to other people, it's like, Oh, it means you're going to give money to them. No way. And they wouldn't even want to fucking hear it. So if people want to, you know, like, like the, the vague statements of defund the police or reallocate the funds of the police, people need to be very specific with how they're going to move those funds around to make things better. Like, for example, as yeah. you said, Ty adding body cameras, because if we're just like flat out saying, either I wanted to fund the police or I don't want to fund people are just going to take that for what it is and immediately have like a black and white opinion on it. Well, so yeah, I, I, just, uh, I don't see enough like real, like great things I read that are like, you know what? 
that's a great point. That's something you can absolutely do. And yeah, I can totally see that like affecting change. I, I think I Adam's don't point right there is like so critical of how hard was it for us just to come up with an idea and we all feel pretty strongly the same way that we want to help this situation. Never mind all the people with ideologies adamantly against changing the situation. And it then knowing that a hundred times were harder. And knowing that you can say one thing and and totally polarize people, you know what I mean? Yep. Dramatically. Yep. Because it is such an emotional thing, but yeah. I mean, the, the, the only other point I wanted to make, which I, it popped into my head as we were talking is I think that conversation we just had right there. And again, we're three, to be honest, ignorant white dudes who know nothing about racial equality. But I think that was one of the more open and honest and transparent conversations I've ever heard on the black lives matter issue since this started everything else that's in a podcast on the news fucking pioneers anything like that is so scared to ruffle any feathers with anything that's a coherent or maybe coherence not the right word but anything that's a well thought out debate and conversation about it these conversations aren't happening i don't statements not and those guys man (laughs) <laughs> they just say, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Like, nobody's saying, all right, like, how do we actually improve the situation? And you know what? And totally. people like them would probably have a lot more to lose than us. But, again, if you're, if you're someone like a, like a big cat, like someone that has that, that platform, because he does have a platform. Yeah. Arstool itself obviously has a platform. If, if you make those controversial statements, it's just like you have to come to terms with like, yeah, I'm going to piss some people off, but then there's going to be other people like, like us to be like, finally, somebody has the balls to actually talk about something with a big platform like a Barstool. I'm not saying Barstool yeah. specifically, but they actually had the balls to use their platform to have a tough conversation that's going to make people cringe, but it needs to happen. I, I mean, the only, way, the only way I see that the last, you know, 35 minutes – being cringy is just the fact that everyone knows we're not African-American. So, you know, it's like you can cringe at the fact that like you, these guys are talking about it and they've never, they don't really know what it is. And sure. I, I can, I can obviously see that, but find me, tell me one thing that we've said that anyone could take as being, you know, uh, egregious. Yeah. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that's why I like, person, yeah, depends on yeah, the perspective. It, I, I mean, I just, I don't think there was anything that any of us said that were, that was incendiary or could be taken out of, you know, out of context at all. What do you think um, if we uh, broadcasted our podcast in uh, the streets of Portland right now? Well, that, that's would, what uh, I was going to say. Is I, think <laughs> well, you, you, so I think it really does depend on who's listening. You have the holier than thou people who are scared to have the tough conversation because that's how progress is made on controversial topics or difficult decisions are the tough conversation not the idealized conversation because that's how you end up polarized and tribal where nobody leaves their hill. It's because you're just living in idealized like fake worlds. And again, we come to the fact that that's something that we can't change. Which part? The fact that, you know, everybody that can have a conversation on a public platform or that's in politics is either influenced one way or the other by money or by fame. And in their or, minds, or, they, have yeah, way, fear. they have way too much to lose to make a critical stance one way or the other. So they say what they think everyone wants to hear. So they yep. can stay in power. Of saying, instead of saying the things that, you know, can really start to make a difference. And at least and again, not that we're going to make a difference, going. but, you know, 
again, like you said, it, it's us saying, Hey, here, here's, we've just laid some stuff out. What do you think? How, what's one possible solution that you think we could, yeah. you know, come up with? Like, and I, I think this conversation, dude, this conversation, this is what the NBA boycott wanted amongst the owners, <laughs> the owners to sit down and have a conversation and say, what can we do to actually help the situation? And having more of these types of conversations is going to desen- desensitize the fear of having it. So the, yeah, more, we, the more we encourage, and I'm not just saying we, like the three of us, but in, in general, if we encourage the tough conversations, it's going to be tough at first. People are going to be uncomfortable. The more it happens, the more comfortable people will be to bring the stuff up. And hopefully that makes its way up to people with actual power and influence that want to actually take on these endeavors. Okay. So change the world. To the power and influence. Did you guys see Jim Gaffigan's Twitter no, rant? No, I saw the headline, but I didn't see the rant. So he goes on like this literally like 15 tweet rant, um, you know, against Trump. I think it was the night he spoke at uh, the RNC. Um, and I, I was reading an article about him uh, going on that rant. And like, just tell me what you think about this. If you like, if you think you kind of feel the same way. Um Gaffigan wrote about the responsibility he feels to his children as well as to future generations. Quote, I didn't want to explain to my grandchildren that I didn't fight to stop Trump, end quote. Uh, quote, maybe they will see that I, maybe they will see that I stood up for decency, rule of law, and equality. Um, and then he says, if you're still on the fence, I encourage you to vote uh, not who, not for who I want you to vote for, but for who your grandchildren would be proud you fucking vote for. What do you think about that? This is where I always go back and forth with the whole Trump thing. Because I I don't think it's fair to paint anybody in that broad strokes of everything this guy does is evil and anybody who supports him is evil. And I think that's what's gotten us into this totally polarized situation right now. But at the same time, like, dude, Trump has had a lot of opportunities since he's been in office to prove he's not a racist. And he hasn't taken advantage of one of them. Every single racially tense time. Where, where was those um, protests when he first got into the office where people got ran over by a car and he refused to condemn the white nationalists? Charlottesville. Charlottesville. I started with there until now, and he still refused uses to even acknowledge that anything is wrong and you know this isn't okay and like to me like i go back and forth but eventually like he's proving his point that he is a racist and at what point do people make the tough decisions of what matters more to you to lead america ethics and morals that align with you or you know, maybe some policy and economic things that you think are going to be better for you and other people's pocketbooks. I think it's a really tough topic to talk about. Yeah. Cause there's so much more at stake too. And it's tough. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, I, I don't know. You could argue whether it should or shouldn't be, but you know, it, it's, it's a tough thing when you're weighing, you know, all those factors. Yeah. Yeah. Cause not in the to end, mention COVID dude, like that's not even <laughs> talking about thousands of people dying every day. 
in the yeah. end, with all the different things that you use to judge a presidential candidate, in the end, you, you end up, like you started saying, you end up siding with what you feel is most important deep down. And it doesn't mean that you, like, if you're voting for policy and, and foreign, foreign policy and, you know, bringing jobs back, it doesn't mean that you care less about the fact that your president's not doing a good enough job or, any, or doing anything at all to dispute the fact that he's racist. You, you start to just prioritize things without really thinking about it. And I think it's – some people will take that and be like, oh, well, you don't – you're, you know, you're, you're voting for Trump, which means you believe in X, Y, and Z yep. because this is what he – or you're, you're, you're voting for Biden, which means you must believe X, Y, and Z. People just make everything a blanket statement. If you, you support that president, you support everything that that person has said, has done, or hasn't done. And you know what sucks and makes it worse? The only Trump voters or people supporting Trump you ever see on TV are the caricature, like, crazy people with pickup trucks and Trump flags in their trucks. Which is what everyone associates with somebody if they say they are a Trump supporter. Yeah. Or, 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 the, or the white hippies in, in Portland. Exactly. You know, they it's, just it's assume on both that if you're a Biden guy, then, then that's what you must look like. And that's how you must conduct yourself. But in reality, 65 million people voted for Trump. And, that, that was you know, the point six, I was going to make. He didn't win, which is people, people who drive pickup trucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are going to have a, a tough choice. Like, I, I, I still think it's a tough choice. I really do. I, I think if yeah. the choice were Trump versus somebody who, um, like, not even talking about, like, policy, but just somebody who you felt really good about had, like, a good moral compass and was going to do a great job of at least trying to take care of America in these tough times. I think it would be a slightly easier choice, even if maybe you disagreed on some policy, but to have it be somebody who's also like one demented two part of the military industrial war complex, like warmonger, like bought by politicians stands for nothing. 45 year career politician and one foot in the grave, unfortunately. And literally one foot in the grave. Might be more than that. <laughs> it just, it just, it makes slowly it falling in. It's, it's just sad to say. And I know we've said it before, but it's just like, it's the lesser of two evils. Presidential exactly election, what twenty sixteen was. Sad. It was exactly what twenty. And I think we got two worse evils in twenty eighteen <laughs> <laughs> or twenty twenty, whatever year it is. Yeah. All right, I'm sick of politics. You guys want to move on? Though? I'm sick of so, it, man. Well, I mean, we, we, did, we did the tough racial conversation. All men and women created by go, you know the, you know the thing. <laughs> we hold these truths to be I, I can't believe the one you shared today. This is his first moment back in the line. I know, like, dude. It's fucking all this brutal. time to, like, prep and probably collect. I'm sure he wasn't told 10 minutes before, hey, Joe wake up, you need to make this speech. Like, there's, there's, I'm sure he had plenty of time to prepare himself. And what, 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 was, what was his opening sentence? Every day time. in COVID is 100 years or something. Yeah, he didn't even finish <laughs> saying years. Like, he, he like almost was going to go into that and then, like, stopped and then went somewhere. Close. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the one. <laughs> it's just, it's, you need to think about it. More lives this year than any other year. And, and again, I, I know we just talked about this and like saying that, you know, there's, you don't have to love everything about the candidate that you're voting for, but it's really, really hard to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. 
and be like, yeah, this is my guy. My mind's made up in, in August or September that I'm definitely voting for this person no matter what. Like, it has to give you at least some pause, at least and, a little bit. Yeah, and that's, what, that's why it's a tough choice because if you <sighs> flip on the other channel and you do the same thing, you're like, oh, oh my God, dude. What? How are you this stupid? Like, you know, oh, Ghislaine Maxwell. No, I wish her very well. I wish her well. I wish her well. <laughs> Like, but at least we can even, understand what he's saying. Yeah, I know. Even yeah, though he's, he's saying a child sex trafficking. No, I'm well. just saying, but like, <laughs> but he's saying it in a way that, like, I could. If Joe could just speak clearly, think about how different th- this would be. Think about how many less. Dude, sound I think bites he looks worse than he talks too. He's going to be the oldest president ever elected if he wins. I mean, like he at he's the DNC. 80. Like they would, they would have a high def camera on him, man. And holy shit, he's got that paper skin. Yeah, exactly. if you shine a flashlight, you can see through his skin. <laughs> it's just been stressed as much as possible. Oh my god, so um, thin. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think here. What I, uh, what else I had? Um, oh yeah. So I, just kind of stemming off all that, uh, all that shit about you know how I asked you, hey, what do you feel about this and the whole Gaffigan thing. You know your grandchildren, blah blah blah. Well, Kirk uh, talked on the podcast like very briefly, just about a story with him and his son. Like uh, when this sh- all this shit came up, we were, and he's like, "They have that here too." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know." I'm like, "So I was like, what do you think of this?" You know, because he's eight years old. There's a lot going on, yeah. and it's a very nice black family, younger younger than me, even with a kid younger than Harry coming towards us. And I was like, "I'll understand it." He's like, I just don't understand this. So the thing happened in Minnesota. They arrested the guy. The cop's gone. What else do they want? <laughs> and literally, we're passing each other as he was saying it. And I was just like, give well, me some examples. He was like that. I was like, well, it's more complicated. Hey, shut the fuck up. It's more complicated now. We're in jail, you idiot. That's hilarious. Terrible this, that was his kid who said that? Yeah. <laughs> I believe it though. Kids are naive. Isn't everyone satisfied? What What does America want? What more can they do than that? <laughs> yeah, youthful uh, innocence. Um, hey, so I, uh, Jared was standing on the the stump of, you know, Trump's this awful conspiracy theory. Like he, you know, he's conspiring to fuck up the election with the U.S. Postal Service. And I said there was a he chance. Said, he said, "I'm I'm scared when I think about the fact that Donald Trump won't like." leave the the white house if he doesn't get reelected. i don't well, know scared was the word i used and what did i say to you the other day i don't you know. say you say you're scared a lot not, Adam? <laughs> well you, you everything use, that's you, terrifying you use the term this i'm horrified scary. or i'm scared for a lot of things <laughs> well so i watched like, that movie i was thinking i was gonna have somebody knocking on my window in the middle of the night to come in and rape me with his little wiener <laughs> I, I gotta finish that still. I, I, we're we're gonna try to do like a couple more episodes tonight after the recording. Oh, what do you think of your girl Hillary Clinton, Jared, saying that Biden should refuse to uh, concede the election at all costs? I think that and then Nancy Pelosi saying he shouldn't debate make you look so desperate mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's just like, guys, at least act like you're gonna win. Like you're you're already coming up with excuses. They already have their doomsday plan ready yep, to they, go. They literally have excuses ready, and it was. Yeah, what, but they're using the same last week of August. They're using the same rhetoric that Trump was using, and that they were shitting on yeah. him for. Yeah, they're both doing it. 
And, and there's why, you know, why your little ass needs to get into a polling booth and not support this whole mail. I, I, I sent in my mail and ballot today for the primary. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I, I think, I mean, dude, I don't think if you were to like give these people moral compasses, I don't think Nancy Pelosi or Hillary Clinton are any morally more fit or sound than Donald Trump. He just says what he thinks. They just put on a fake face. Yeah. Well, you, I think you said it. You said it yourself best, Jared. Republicans will stab you in the back right to your face. Stab you in the back to your oh, face. I know it didn't. It, it came off poorly, but they'll be very upfront. Reach around by just fucking you over. Yeah, they'll still just reach around and stab you. But Republicans are very upfront with how they're screwing you over, whereas Democrats will pretend that they're not, but they actually are. Yeah. In the end, it's shitty either way. So, so what happens? America just sucks, man. This fucking it's blows, fucking man. Sucks. I'm gonna so, do what all the I'm gonna do what all the celebrities said they were gonna do if Trump won and fucking yeah, get out of here. Out of here, man. Move to Costa Rica, dude. To fucking Canada, dude. All right, but there there thoughts. could be a chance. Um, I was gonna say, is there gonna be a chance that both presidents don't believe the outfit <laughs> outcome of the election? <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure for at least a few weeks, Hillary didn't admit defeat until like at, she did eventually, but at some point, like it took a little bit for her to like come out and say like i lost you know so like this isn't as outrageous and and uncommon as like adam as, after a bad panthers loss he just sits there in silence for a few days until he finally comes to terms with the fact that they lost well yeah i mean th this year won't be a won't be as hard to do that because i'm not expecting teddy too show. much teddy show baby you're gonna be watching cam dancing all over new england baby <laughs> hey football's back in two weeks how awesome is that fuck yeah america Can't but Broncos first game Monday night 10 p.m. Get that. Oh, oh you're not Jared, watching that. Jerry, come you're you not have to watch that. that, dude. He's not watching dude, that. You have to. <laughs> it's starting. Dude, Adam, it's... he'd be sick for a week if he did that. <laughs> you be, know he'd be, that. He'd be couch ridden like I probably back wouldn't in watch it the whole thing ago. if it was an eight o'clock Monday night game. Jeez. Not even if it's your Christ. own team. Like, I could understand if it was like a regular. A, a Sunday or a Monday night game where I have no dog in the <laughs> fight, but it's your own team. You're not going to stay up and like be a little groggy the next day to just to watch your own team on prime Dude, that time. That game's going to be over football. at one in the morning. Tough shit. Just watch your team. I don't get that. I figured if it was your team, you would want to stay up for that. Wouldn't no. I don't think you get it. Cause your brain is always groggy. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't have caffeine or anything. So but you know what? Always in I'm a still sense of tired in the morning. Brain. I'm still tired in the morning and there's mornings. I t it takes me longer. To, I'm sure with coffee, it'd be a lot quicker, but I, I don't drink coffee. So it takes me time, but if my team's on Monday night, fuck, unless, and if I get my doors blown off by like the middle of the third, if you're totally getting your doors I'll, I'll blown off. You know, maybe, you know, if maybe we, we the Panthers off. are getting our doors <laughs> blown off. We, the Panthers are getting our doors blown off. I can understand that. But if it's like a really good game, you're, oh, you're going to turn it. You're going to turn it off at halftime. Oh, you're like, yeah, all right, dude. I'm going to bed. Oh, no, dude. I'll be asleep well before halftime. Yeah. It's a 10-20 kickoff. He won't make it to kickoff. He'll, he'll oh, watch. Well, I was, I was going I to was the air. Of, and by the time it gets in the receiver's hands, he'll be asleep. I was thinking of the normal, like, 8.30 start time for Monday night. I was Those I'll stay up till if it's a good game and it's my team. Ty, would you stay up for the uh, 10 o'clock Pats yeah. game? As, as I'm saying, like, especially the not, first game of the year, it's not even oh a my question. God. I, I know I'm going to be tired. I'm, I know I'm going to be miserable in the morning. But, but also, like, up. Broncos always suck. Too. Yeah, they do suck. Dude, you're so, supposed <laughs> to have some of the Panthers. We had but our first scrimmage on Saturday, and our offense was 
awful. All right, let's not get into training camp talk before we do that. Are we going to wrap us got, up with most thoughts? Yeah, I, a brief most thoughts. I'm just going to talk about Indian matchmaking. Cause I, uh, can um, I get a date update, though? Um, yeah. I mean, there's not, like, any crazy updates. I've still been dating that girl, Alyssa. So how many uh, so you had your third date? Because that's the last time the listeners heard. So yeah, that so was a couple, that was a couple weeks ago then. So I think we've hung out four or five times. Um, it's like, oh, she's pregnant, dude. That was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> you guys missed that. out on a lot. Uh, so we're hanging tomorrow. Um, I had her over last Sunday and cooked for her, introduced her to most cooking. So wine and dine a little bit. Um, yeah, I made uh, roasted chicken, roasted lemon rosemary chicken. With Did you pull out the sous vide? Oh, I was going to I, I thought you were going out, somewhere I'm else. I'm pulling out <laughs> the sous vide tomorrow. I thought you were going okay. somewhere else with that, tomorrow. Adam. I pulled uh, out the, my man the bean. bean. No. Yeah, I meant the, the, the <laughs> And the answer bean. to that was hell no. <laughs> Lock that puppy away. <laughs> I, I just figured that the sous vide might be a strong start to like, hey, let me she, cook for think you. think I'm some weirdo. Yeah, so maybe yeah. Uh, Wait, what'd you cook? I wasn't even listening to you. Um, roasted lemon rosemary chicken. I asked you a question. I didn't listen to your yeah. answer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been, going, it's been going well. I mean, my my thoughts about the whole situation are i'm enjoying her company i think she's enjoying my company i'm not going to give it any expectations because as soon as i start to think about things i like kind of psych myself out a little bit and think <laughs> like is this girl crazy like am i rushing whoa, into whoa. something Dude, she might be is... thinking the same thing about you well why i do agree you think... agreed why is that thought going through your head not because she's given any crazy behaviors, but like you just don't know really anything about somebody like the first like month or so of meeting a stranger. Yeah. Like you know what they show you, but like they could have a total alter ego. So like I go down these rabbit holes. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus. Oh I mean, God. That seems but a then, little radical of a thought, but well, I so that, get that's what you're why saying. I said I've just like been living in the moment. I don't think about it. Have fun. Is this going to be one your blanket statement for every time we ask about this? Living in the moment, one day at a time, no expectations. Until really there's expectations. Yeah, that will be my that will it could be, be my like take. We're going to be like three years in. Like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm not going well, to think over Jared, it. you're fucking engaged. No expectations. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to see where it goes. You I know? just don't want to put anything on it. If I put labels <laughs> I don't want to label it. on it, you know? It starts <laughs> to fall I mean, apart. Like, you guys get it. I think. Mean, I don't think there's ever a time where like you're like, all right, I know this is person, somebody who like I want to date long term. I think you just ease into that. Yeah. And, like, I, I right? Agree. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, especially not as early on as you are. You yeah. Make, so, are you, you're not going to make that determination now. So, so that's my point. Is like I don't want to put all this like, oh, Jared, are you thinking this? Are you thinking that? You like, does this feel right? Does this not feel right? We're I'm just, just like, talking hey. here. Don't don't be so afraid to just say what's on your mind. No, that's saying direct, like 100% what's on my mind. I think if I overthink it and like think too much about does this feel right? Does it seem like the right situation? Like, am I settling, not settling down, but like, am I. You would get yourself into trouble. Yeah, or putting myself on a path towards rushing into something exclusive without running away from it too fast. Yeah, exactly. Either or. Like, all those thoughts have entered my head. So, my solution is, Jared, just stop thinking and have fun. Hey, there you go. I mean, I I don't disagree with that policy. I think yeah, it, know, it seems to I work. Think something will click at some point, one way or the other. Whether you think, okay, this I can see this continuing for a little while longer, or something happens, she exposes something about herself, 
or or something along the, those lines. <laughs> that, and then you're that like, could be taken. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm well, always thinking of that. I was thinking something like, you know, personality wise. Yeah. But yeah, like, and, but either thinking. way, something's going to happen. I think at some point where you're going to be like, all right, I can go one, I can go one way or the other with this. So in terms of how I'm thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Has she exposed? Herself? Speaking of exposure, I'm going to no plead, plead the fifth. No. On Fleet in the fifth on uh, juicy details on the podcast. Why you're you're, you're not you're not under nobody tr- knows not who you are. Or who the, the fuck the you're fifth talking doesn't about? Doesn't apply here. Plead I don't in even the know fifth. this girl's name. That's fine. I'm not worried about her listening. All right, just I'm, just nod or or shake. <laughs> for what listeners the, don't the specific know. question. But to wow. has she exposed herself to you? No, I'm talking. <laughs> have you gotten the wop? Have you gotten that wop? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's that's All right. fine. That's fair enough. Now, that, that, that's <laughs> um, definitive enough. I, uh, I was talking to my dad before uh, we came on, Adam, and he said, make sure you tell Adam that I thoroughly enjoyed his rendering of wop. <laughs> oh, good. <I'm laughs> he said that was one of the funniest things he's ever heard. That, that's the first feedback I've gotten other than you guys, so that's great. Thanks, Uncle Chip. I'm going to put that in a <laughs> ringtone. You reading wop. <laughs> Um, all right. So what's your other thought? All right. Indian marriages um, go. It's kind of crazy, dude. So I was watching some podcasts and they were talking about the show, like how crazy it is. These Indian people. I was like, I got to check this out. So there's a whole show on Netflix about Indian matchmaking and dude, Indian matchmaking is literally a combining of families where you have like specific, they call them biomarkers to describe the person and their families and you need to align them and get both families to agree. And oftentimes the parents are planning the weddings before they've even heard of each other or met. (laughs) They'll be like, okay, I want my son to get married on this date because this is like a blessed day on our religious or cultural calendar let's work on finding him a wife for that day next year. And her family needs to make X amount of money, be from this caste in society. And we need to be able to show her off so she looks good in pictures. So is, like, is, 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 this, is this topic uh, under dowry? Did, did they talk about that at all? It's, not it's, it's in the first episode. I've only okay. seen one episode. Have you, have you heard? So you haven't heard it yet? No, so I've never heard of dowry. All right, so one thing they may talk about is, so dowry is technically illegal now, but it still happens. It's pretty much the, like the bride's in-laws, so the husband's parents obviously, need to pay, need to be paid and given a certain amount of things that they deem acceptable because they, they, they literally treat this historically like an exchange of goods. And, of, a, of a daughter. Yeah, no, it definitely disgusting. wasn't like that. Okay. It wasn't like that. Because I know that still happens today. It's, it's technically, like I said, illegal. But the, the, if you look it up later on after this, it's pretty wild. And it, it can lead to really terrible treatment to the, to the bride, unfortunately, because I can if, imagine. The, if, they don't, if they don't get what they want or they feel is acceptable, then terrible things would happen. But it's pretty much like, we're, all right, so we're getting your, you know, we're giving you our daughter in exchange for X amount of goods, money. And again, like you said, it has to do with the cast. It has, you know, yeah. part of the cast system happens. Wow. It has to do with the region of India. Yep, the region was a big part of it. Yeah. So it, it's, it's crazy. It's a, how, so do you, dowry, how did you learn this from school? I mean, I, 
we did <laughs> just a little a personal talking. research project. <laughs> I mean, no, honestly, I've never taken a class on on any Indian culture, but I've I've gone down rabbit holes and and just and looked did, up. Did someone answer Adam to whose Google search history you'd most want to see? I think Steve chose me. I don't remember Steve what Tom picked. Oh, Tom I think Adam me. was the right pick. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting though. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Super it's interesting. Fucking crazy. Yeah. So like one you of the thought on it, Jared. Um. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I do. But like the first episode, so there's three people. I don't know if it follows the three people all season or what yet. But it was like some rich, I swear, is gay dude in India who just like lives in this mansion and his wife or his, his mom and dad are trying to get him to settle down. It's some crazy 34 year old chick in New York city who seems out of her fucking mind and is like, Oh, I only go on 50 minutes date. And I, and I go exactly one hour before the restaurant's about to close. So they kick us out at the 50 minute warning. Cause I don't like to have my time wasted by guys. And then there was like this relatively normal looking chick who was like really, really cute, but she's, um, Ghanaese? What's the not Ghana? It's in South America. Guyana. She's Guyanese, but she was also a British colony. So she keeps meeting these Indian dudes. She'll like them after the first date, and then their parents would be like, "No, she's from Guyana. She's not from our province of India. You can't yeah. date her." Which that, is kind of crazy. That idea of like marriage is is as old school as it gets. I mean, back in the day, it was you know, we don't want you to marry for love. We want you to marry you know, in a way that's going to benefit the, not just you, but the entire family. And, and the image it, of the family. Yeah. And India has just continued to roll with that. Like at least. Yeah. Most of these people live in the U S and their parents are still doing it. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, thank God for Western civilization. Yeah. 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 I'm sure they're continuing the trend. Here. Yeah. But, but my thought was, dude, it would make dating and life a whole lot more predictable and easier. I'm not saying better Fuck by any that. means. But Fuck like, like the, the point they've made a couple times on the show is like we already have a 50% divorce rate. Um, and if you look Which at like most regular arrange, marriage anyway, well, that's what they're talking about. Greg, you imagine oh, getting, they, stuck with the, getting stuck with the flying squirrel. <laughs> Adam, that'd be, that'd be rough. Can you imagine you, that coming home to that every night? Would you trust Bevan? Well, I don't have to, to imagine it. I, I know what it would look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just apart. have to expound it. For the rest of your life. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd You'd be, be a warm at night, though. <laughs> be like another comforter. <laughs> it'd be a leather blanket. Be toasty. Is that your only thought on it, Jared? The, the... After one episode, that's my only thought. My hey, what is it, a show on Netflix? Yeah, it's a Netflix, yeah, it's a Netflix show. Netflix series, yeah. Um, the, uh, I guess, a couple other thoughts. <laughs> Uh, I just forgot one of them. What was the other one then? The other one was to the dude who was on the podcast I was watching was talking about. He's Indian. And his one of the girls is his wife's sister who's on the show. And he's like, dude, this is the first time ever it's an Indian show for Indian people, by Indian people. We're like, that's our real culture on TV, not like Mindy Kaling, like culturally appropriating <laughs> our culture. Um, culturally. He's like – but you know what I mean though. Like he's like everything else is white people or Indians for white people. Like that's what you're gonna see, like dramatized, etc. But he was trying to compare this to their version of the Black Panther, which is quite timely because then Chadwick or like or like crazy rich Asians or something like that. Yeah. Other movie. yeah. Yep. Exactly. Oh, I, I remember. Calling your shot. Thought. Um, 
I do kind of feel bad for these people. Like, imagine, uh, like, yeah, dude, that should have been uh, your fucking one and only takeaway. Just, dude, put yourself in their shoes. Imagine being that young and not even knowing that your parents have already decided who you're going to spend the rest of your and life And that they're getting fucking with. paid. And they're getting money out of it. It's based on their I'd compensation. Say, fuck both of you. you can go to fucking hell. And yeah. That means something coming from that culture. And give me that fucking money. <laughs> So all I could think about is like every time I see my family, uh, like they're like, "Oh, you dating anybody? You dating anybody? You dating anybody?" Imagine that times a thousand. You getting married to the girl I want you to marry? You getting married? Because a lot of these people say like, "No, I'm not marrying them." Yeah. Like they're like, "Not that's not the one." Like not gonna work. So I can't imagine what that family pressure is like. And I, I just How thought much of pressure this. Have you gotten? Not pressure, but every time I ever see anybody <laughs> in my family, hey, who you dating? How's your dating life? Say, listen to the podcast. Right. I was just thinking the last thought on, on Jared's topic, and I know this is going to be very predictable coming, <laughs> hearing it come from me, but the first thing I thought of when Jared brought that up was the Diwali episode from The Office when Ryan, you know, Ryan and Kelly were dating, yeah. and then pretty much Ryan was, like, talking to her parents, and he's, like, talk. he's avoiding every part of any relationship aspect of the conversation and they're pretty much asking him like do you plan on proposing to our daughter and like it, they, i don't know I, I don't know how long they were dating in the, in the span of the show but it, it just reminded me of that where those parents like yeah we don't really care like we just want to know what kind of job you have and are you going to marry my daughter and that's it i don't want to know anything about anything else about you how are I'm you going to benefit on. the family yeah so do on that note do love you guys